Uh, hello. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. Good. Guys, I have big news. Oh. I have the biggest news. Are you ready? I'm ready. Um, so Jeff Probst, who he's a host and executive producer, right? Okay. He thinks that this celebrity would be the perfect contestant for Survivor. <gasps> oh. This celebrity, guys. I love that one. That's absolutely crazy. I love that. Can you believe that? I love. No, it's this celebrity, not that one. I love this celebrity. Yeah, this celebrity would make the perfect. That one, total dick. No, the last. Yeah, that one. That one would be a bad call. This one would be best. Um. Yeah. Also. Um. Hello and welcome to. Oh shoot, we haven't done a numbered episode in a hot minute. I don't remember what number we're on. That's so embarrassing, guys. What am I even doing? Am I? I'm such a bad host. Are you even a podcaster? If you don't know what be. number episode Oh my gosh, on. guys. Okay. Jeez, the last numbered episode we did was 1917. What the Whoa. crap is wrong with us? Oh my god. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them. The only podcast on the internet where we watch a movie and then talk about it. There may be others where other people watch movies and then talk about them, but this is the only one where we do it. My name is Andrew Westensko. I am the host of this here podcast. Joined at my right hand in life and in all things by Becca. Hello. How's it going? Good. That's great. I'm a bit yawny tonight, but I'm good. Well, just don't do it into the microphone. Done. Done. Uh, to Becca's right and my left, due to the circular nature of our table, is Sid. Hi. Dude, the peace sign. She threw a peace sign, but you guys couldn't yeah. see it. It was just, yeah. I think it's instinctual. It really is. So it's like, oh, I'm greeting somebody. <laughs> peace sign. Yep. My hand is just perpetually in peace sign. <laughs> it's stuck like that. I have arthritis. That's terrible. Aren't you like 23? But... I'm hella chill. So. <laughs> Just all the time because of your constant peace sign. Yeah. Guys, today uh, we're going to be covering uh, The Call of the Wild, which is a 2019 feature film where dog. Harrison Ford plays with a cartoon for an hour and a half. When he could have played with a real dog. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. So let's quickly talk about the trailer for The Call of the Wild. Have you seen it, Sid? Terrible. Yes. Many yeah. times. Okay. So that trailer disturbs me. It really the truly does. The dog is disturbing. The dog freaks me out. It's not good. It is way like it's this weird hybrid between like a super lifelike cartoon and being just way, way, way too emotive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like when they would pan around and look at the dog's face, it just freaks me the crap out. There's um, on Reddit, there's a subreddit called Shitty Movie Details. <laughs> and there's one and it's just a shot of Harrison Ford and the dog and said, in the shot from Call of the Wild, they needed Harrison Ford looking dismayed. So they showed him some footage of how shitty the dog animation was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really creepy because like it looks kind of realistic. I was going to say like the body and the movement of it is yeah, like, just the face. and then like they paint and then the dog turns around and gives you like the shocked giddy pig face. You know, the, the gif I'm talking yeah, about yeah. where like it zooms in on the giddy pig's face and he yeah. whips around like the dog makes a face like that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> dogs, dogs don't do that. No. Well, and I feel like they could have done that movie with a real dog. Exactly. Well, yeah. That's the thing. Like right? it might've taken some training, but it would but be better it, than this. No, Becca, if you can do it with visual effects, you should do it with visual oh, right. effects. Right. Yeah. Just never make anything look realistic. Here's the thing. Combining animation and, uh, real world has just gone downhill since who framed Roger Rabbit. True. Cause you got to lean into that. Right. And we, hopefully our saving grace will be space jam. 
starring LeBron James. Dude, who knows, man? I just I, I feel like that's been in the works for like eighteen. Well, and years. here's the thing: I was excited for it, and then I found out that LeBron is just another corporate shill who hates democracy. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can go to that movie anymore. So, hmm. you know, shame. So LeBron is like, oh, human Down rights violations. Like, I love human rights violations. That's what LeBron says. Don't we all? He doesn't say those exact words, but he I might as well. I am pretty sure he said those exact words. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, here's the thing, guys. We do have a small order of business to cover. Uh, another small order of business, aside from Jeff Probst recommending this celebrity for a uh, Survivor <laughs> contestant. Um, uh, friends and family listening to this, did you guys want another reason to love Parasite? Yes, I'm going to speak for friends. And yes. Family. So, do you want another reason to love Parasite? I didn't know that there were any others. There are more <gasps> reasons to love Parasite. Are you ready? This is my favorite one yet. Um, our grand old elected leader, President of the United States of America, oh. <laughs> took time out of his recent rally in Colorado to bash the Academy for choosing Parasite as best picture just what? because it's a South Korean film. <laughs> Um, he, I didn't know this. He, he spoke his opinion on the Oscars, and this was fantastic. He spoke his opinion on the Oscars on two matters. One, he said that uh, it was a stupid choice to pick Parasite for Best Picture because it already got Best International Feature, and they should have picked something more American, and that we need to get back to the days of Gone with the Wind, also known as like the most <laughs> white, homogenized, racist movie ever. <laughs> And he also took time out of his speech to bash Brad Pitt for his offhand <laughs> oh comments about uh, not having any witnesses testify at the impeachment trial. <laughs> we love Parasite. Oh, we absolutely. This oh, makes yeah. me love Parasite more. Oh, yeah. I didn't know I could. Yeah. I do. Um, additionally, uh, Bong has gotten just real close with the Criterion Collection in the last couple of weeks. Yes. Um, they've been posting a lot of photos and like articles and stuff with him. They're very on board. Uh, they announced that both Memories of a Murder and Parasite will be coming to Criterion Collection. So Woo-hoo. who knows? Here's the thing. I'll make this note um, for the people who are equally nerdy about uh, boutique Blu-ray releases as I am. I am all about Criterion getting into the more, uh, I guess, contemporary films. And I also like this thing that they're doing where they're announcing way ahead of time that they've like struck a deal about something like they're pretty open about uh like they put a lot of care and time into the supplements and the transfers of their movies like roma took a year and so like while they've announced their deal with netflix i don't expect the irishman or marriage story anytime soon but i like to know that it's coming um they just announced a couple of weeks ago that i think we're up to may releases now that in may wildlife will be releasing which if you guys remember from a couple of years oh, ago that yeah. was that's uh, on my list for this year yeah so it's paul dano's directorial debut it's got mm-hmm. jake gyllenhaal in it um so they're they're taking it upon themselves to be like the platform for these uh kind of contemporary art films that are not getting the attention they deserve that's not to say that parasite falls into that category i think they're just doing it because of the historic context in which parasite exists um and i'm very excited about that but i i don't know i like the uh, uh, there's a lot of people on the criterion subreddit that are none too happy about criterion getting into the contemporary film game there's there's this weird contingent of criterion fans and for those of you who don't know criterion is just a boutique blu-ray and dvd label they release very high quality transfers of films with tons of supplements and and all this kind of stuff uh there's a there's a small 
contingency of Criterion fans who uh, are of the opinion that Criterion exists to distribute films that don't have a good uh, like a good version available. And that if they release a movie that already has a good transfer or a good version available, that they're wasting their time. That they should focus mostly on older films that need to be uh, remastered is the wrong word, but like given a good transfer to digital and and given supplements. Um, and I think those guys are just spoil sports. Like, well, because I feel like the whole point of Criterion is just like, like identifying important movies that people should watch. Right, exactly. It's a celebration of film as an art form. Yeah. And there's plenty of modern films that do that just as well as your older films. Mm-hmm. I guess their point is that like, it takes away from other older films getting released, but I don't know, man, they've got so many movies out. Yeah. So we, ju- we did just get our, uh, our version of Roma and it's absolutely oh, gorgeous. It's amazing. It's really heavy. It's very heavy, very large book inside of there with several essays and there's like three documentaries on the disc. It's crazy. Really well done on that one. Um, I'm very excited to receive our grand Budapest hotel yes. version when that comes out, I think in April. I just got her and La La Land. Ooh, very nice. Blu-ray. Very nice. I don't have a Blu-ray player. <laughs> <laughs> one day I will. There's a lot of people one that day. collect records that don't have a record player. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. You know, one day I'll have a Blu-ray. I'm just slowly starting my collection now. What you got to do, just go out and buy like an old PS3. You can find an old PS3 for like 100 bucks. But also you can get like a Blu-ray for like. Not that much either. Are they not that expensive? I literally never bought a Blu-ray player because I've just always had a gaming console. Yeah, they're really not. They're that not that expensive. They're like oh. I think four K players are expensive. Oh yeah, yeah, those are good. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That was just back in the day. Back in the day, when Blu-rays were first becoming a thing, the PS3 was one of the cheaper options for a Blu-ray player. But I guess they've gotten cheap now. Mm-hmm. Just like right now, the uh, Xbox One X is one of the cheaper options for a four K player because you can get one yeah. for like three hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah, Blu-rays are actually surprisingly cheap. Like her was ten dollars. Oh, wow. wow, I think that's yeah. around what I paid for it. Yeah, yeah, if a movie is more than a few years old oh, and yeah. isn't in high demand, Amazon will usually have it for like ten to twelve. Oh, yeah. yeah, like there are already a few that I want to buy, um, that are like, like I bought both of the La La Land and her was like twenty dollars. That's not so bad at all. Yeah, I've gotten like so stingy though. Like if if a like a movie releases a regular Blu-ray, I'm just like, oh come on, just put it on Criterion. <laughs> <laughs> But I am stoked. I have pre-ordered. I have Little Women pre-ordered. I've got Uncut Gems pre-ordered. And here, here's the thing. Small rant. And we're, we're going to have an episode, I promise you. <laughs> um, so Jojo Rabbit just released. But I don't want to buy it because the Blu-ray is so ugly. Is it? What's it look like? It's so unbelievably ugly. Is it just covered in Oscar things? No, it's not even that. It's like the art itself is just fine. But there's like a weird like huge universal logo up at the top that like cuts into all of it it's super ugly the 4k version looks all right but they don't even have listed on amazon so i don't know what i don't know who is distributing jojo rabbit but you're doing a piss poor job in my opinion because i wouldn't mind owning that movie i looked i looked to try and buy it but no yeah that's a good one i want to own it also a hidden life still is not anywhere on physical as far as i can tell so that's disappointing yeah i also want to own that one yeah for real we spend way too much money on movies oh we absolutely do 
<laughs> That's probably our single largest expense aside from food and rent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rent food movies. Yeah, especially if you include going to movies. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you throw concessions in there, then it might put it over food. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> In any case, guys, uh, today for episode 54, uh, we're returning back to uh, a director that we have covered now twice, I believe, right? Yeah, and talked about yes. plenty. Yeah, we've talked about him a lot. Um, as you know, here on the podcast, we're big Wes Anderson fans. Um, if you listen Me to, especially. Yeah, Becca especially. <laughs> uh, if you listen back to our episodes on uh, Grand Budapest Hotel and Moonrise Kingdom, uh we enjoyed both of those. Uh, oddly enough, both of those films are movies that have grown on me over time. Hmm. And I think that that's honestly the case of every Wes Anderson movie. I think I like each of his movies more on a second viewing. That's how I feel about his yeah. new, like his older movies. But I just think the newer ones I love. Like a lot of uh, the humor is really dry humor. It's like you don't pick up on everything right. the first time. Right. So I think, yeah, you're just, you're picking up on funnier things and you're more accustomed to the weird nature of everything. Sure. So I want to kick off before we get into our discussion of Bottle Rocket. I did want to have a small discussion on Wes Anderson himself, because now at this point, we've finally very nearly made it. Sid, you've seen every Wes Anderson movie. Uh, except for... Except for Darjeeling Limited. Yes. And we have seen every Wes Anderson movie except for I, I Love, Love Dogs. Dogs. Which we need to. Yeah. We'll just get we'll get around to it at some point. Yeah. Who knows? Um, I want to know everybody's top three Wes Anderson films. You don't have to give an order, but I just want to know what because I feel like this is like a, 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 a like a movie lover's personality test, right? Like, what are your three favorite Wes Anderson movies? And we just had this conversation a couple days ago, and I don't remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> well, go for it. What do you think? Um, I would say in no specific order. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and Grand Budapest Hotel, or the Royal Ten Bobs. I can't decide. <laughs> those are fair picks. Those so, are fair so picks. like those two w- would be tied for third, and then Fantastic Mr. Fox and Moonrise Kingdom is are tied for second. I mean first. I can speak. It's fine. Just numbers. No big deal. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think number one is. Uh, why can't I even Royal Tenenbaums okay number two Grand Budapest Hotel and number three Fantastic Mr. Fox wow we're all different we are different so my number one um, and I think this is by a pretty good margin honestly is Grand Budapest Hotel I think that um, the more that I've become familiar with his work especially after seeing it for the podcast um, the more I think it's just kind of a culmination of everything he's done I think Ralph Fiennes is fantastic in that movie um ralph rafe whatever rafe finds he's incredible um number two for me is going to be moonrise kingdom i love that movie so good (laughs) (laughs) um and then three and four that's a tough that's a tough bet for me number three is really tough um and I, i i think you could flip a coin and land on either one um but number three for me would be a tie between life aquatic and bottle rocket i forgot about life aquatic yeah i don't think it'd be in my top three though life aquatic and bottle rocket would be any any given day could be my number three i mean we're gonna talk about it but bottle rocket 
is up there for me now. Yeah. It is. That one was pretty close. We're we're going to get into this. But like, holy goodness, is it a great movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I just wanted to see where everybody stood. I think there's like amongst fans, if you look in like a lot of Reddit threads and stuff, there's a very wide variance. You see a lot of Grand Budapest Hotel, a lot of Royal Tenenbaums, and a lot of Rushmore at the top oh, of yeah. people's lists. I didn't love Rushmore. That would probably be my very bottom. Same for me. I felt the very, very same about Rushmore. I felt like that one's kind of middle for me. It's kind of meh. Nothing like, too crazy. Yeah, it just wasn't like special for So me. what's your bottom Wes Anderson film then? Um, You know, actually, that one would probably be more towards the bottom. But actually, I am not a huge fan of Moonrise Kingdom. Really? really? I don't really know why. Like, it's still really good. And I think I gave it, like, a pretty okay rating. Sure. But for some reason, like, the only way I can think to describe it is I get creeped out by it. I think, honestly, just the kids weird me out. That's fair. That's They're it. creepy. Yeah. They're weird kids. and They're like, Wes Anderson kids. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like but if I you took like a... Like hyper Wes Anderson. Yeah, it's like if you took Chaz's kids from Royal Tenenbaums and were like, the entire movie yeah. is yours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's still really good, but it, like I would probably say that probably Rushmore is the very bottom and then Moonrise Kingdom is right above that. Wow, that's a hot take. Yeah. That's a very hot take. I think my second bottom would be um, Darjeeling Limited. Uh, I mean, I haven't. I get that. One, I get that. It just was. I mean, I wasn't hear that really about anything. I would honestly, I, mean, I would honestly put Royal Tenenbaums as second bottom. Really? Mm -hmm. I would say my bottom two would be Rushmore and then Royal Tenenbaums. Wow. Yeah. That's and a that, hot take too. That, that is a hot take. That's <laughs> a very hot take. But it just is what it is. I don't know what to tell yeah. you. I don't know what to tell you. I love Royal Tenenbaums. I mean, yeah, like... I just saying, don't love it as much. Saying that it's at the bottom does not mean it's the worst of everything that's ever come out in the history of movies. Very yeah, like, like something's got to be the bottom. Yeah. Well, sure, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Rushmore is still a million times better than It Chapter 2. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it's like, Rushmore, I didn't love. And the rest of them I loved. I feel, I, feel. I feel the same way, yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, let's jump in. Today we're going to be talking about Wes Anderson's 1996 feature-length debut, uh, Bottle Rocket. Uh, this was co-written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. Uh, stars Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, Robert Musgrave, and a host of other people. And Kumar. And Kumar. <laughs> I really blew it, man. I love Kumar so much. Um, yeah, here's how the format's going to work. We're going to do our hot takes, uh, uh, little condensed opinions, then we're going to have our discussion. Then Sid will regale us with the best of the best of IMDb movie trivia. She read it all, so you don't have to. Um, following that, we will jump into our final thoughts and rating out of 10, um, at which point we will jump into other topics, other movies we've been watching, things we've been thinking about, whatever we want to chat about. And that's how that's going to work. So let's jump in with some hot takes. Don't burn yourself on these hot takes. Becca, how hot is your hot take? It's pretty hot. Spicy hot yeah. take. No, I'm like... Um, genuinely surprised at how I feel after this movie. The first time we watched it, I didn't really like it. We probably watched it a year ago. I have no idea. I don't know. A while ago. We were on a Wes Anderson kick a while ago, and we watched like three or four Wes Anderson movies in like two weeks. Um, and I just didn't love it when I first watched it. But this time, 
I think just on a second viewing, like Andrew said earlier, it grew on me and I enjoyed it a lot more. I enjoyed the humor better. I enjoyed the story more. And it was just a delight to watch. And I very much enjoyed it. Very good. Sid, how hot is your hot take? Oh, it's pretty hot. Oh, spicy hot take number two. Um, I loved this one. I... I don't know. Like, I feel like with some of his earlier ones, like with Rushmore, like, I don't know. Like, you know, like we talked about, I just don't love that one. So I was kind of nervous about this one because like I've heard that it's like not his best, um, but I loved it. I think that the, the like Wes Anderson-ness of it was really toned down. And I think that was a really good way to showcase the writing and just how witty everything was. Gosh, the writing in this movie is good. It's so good. Is this his second movie? This is his first. first. Oh, this one is his first. Yeah, Rushmore's okay. number two. Okay, I thought Rushmore was first for yeah. a second. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. Um, I will say that it did like kind of slow down for me in the middle, um, but everything about it was just so funny, and I loved it. I did not note down when we watched Bottle Rocket, so I have no idea when it was. Then it must have been more than a year ago. Either that or I just missed it because we watched it after Moonrise Kingdom. That's true, we did because that's when we bought a bunch of Wes Anderson movies. I must have just missed it. Bummer. Um, yeah, my hot take is also very hot. I love this one. I mean, I think that that's indicated by me putting it potentially in my top three. I don't know, dude. I just, Life Aquatic is so freaking good. It is, that's another one that I need to watch again. So good. I, I think you're right. I think all Wes Anderson movies take two two watches but it's interesting i feel like a lot of his movies exist in pairs and i would almost pair life aquatic with bottle rocket in the same way that i pair grand budapest with uh rushmore and um like in a way fantastic mr fox with like royal tenenbaums oh i don't see those connections at all really (laughs) i thought you were going to say different connections really yeah i think that i mean you know i think the connection between rushmore and grand budapest hotel is pretty obvious the you know, Gustav and the bellboy and then uh, Max Fisher and Bob Murray, kind of that, re- the the film centering around that relationship. Right. And, and being enamored with somebody while at the same time realizing the limitations and accepting them for that and all that kind of stuff. Like, okay. A that, beautiful message. Fair. Right. And then bottle rocket and life aquatic both focus on kind of an eccentric person who um, doesn't really take into account those around him, but is somehow still, just this magnetic force that people want to um, kind of accommodate in everything that they do and just kind of the, but the, the angle that it takes with it is very interesting in that it's not negative. It doesn't demean those kind of people at all, but it, it more highlights the beauty of the relationship and that like just it, the film is almost just about, I guess both of them seem to me like to be just about an understanding that like human relationships are not equal no matter what you do like and you know there can be there's just give and take on both sides but like there's always more give than there on one side than there is on another and like the acceptance of that and still the beauty in human connection in spite of the kind of uh, inbuilt inequality in any relationship that's a really good connection (laughs) I totally see that now. (laughs) 
and then again, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Royal Tenenbaums, the connection I make there is, um, you know, Mr. Fox is really similar to Royal in a, a man past his prime, disconnected from his family and trying to both kind of recapture the glory days of his youth while also trying to maintain uh, the relationship with his family and kind of the the understanding, again, that in life there is always give and take and you can't have everything you want and that at some point you need to make a choice as to what is important to you. Man, I love Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the connections that I see between those movies. That's what I mean like when I say that I feel like his films exist in pairs. Those are kind of the the connections that I see. And so, so maybe Moonrise Kingdom pairs up with Isle of Dogs. It very well could. If we go watch But it. if honestly if anything I I would say that and not just to fit the pattern but like I would pair it up with Darjeeling Limited oh, in a lot I of ways. I just forgot about that one. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Again, um just kids in their relationships Running with their away, well no yeah children because ch- uh, that both of those movies really are about children's relationships with their parents and how that um interacts with the world around them yeah and and how um you know your relationship with your parents really shapes your identity but also um that need for uh, like the balance between like a need for independence but also that need for connection within family well done. Great connection. Thank you. This has been my TED talk on Wes Anderson movies. <laughs> and um, how they are interconnected. And how they're interconnected. Well, no, these life. are just like, I mean, I guess we're not specifically even talking about Bottle Rocket at this point, but like Wes Anderson has a very singular focus on uh, family and interpersonal relationships. And uh, again, kind of the the beauty and the imperfection of those relationships. And he just, I feel like each movie explores a different relationship essentially from a different angle mm-hmm. and really if i could boil wes anderson's filmography down into uh one idea it would be that inherent beauty in um, connecting people whether it be through family or friends or romantic relationships and the like just just that really like just how beautiful the idea of human connection is yeah. Is what I would, that's how I would describe Wes Anderson's like ethos in making films. Yeah, I see that. I agree with that. So that's my take. <laughs> <laughs> that's how hot my hot take is. It's pretty hot. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of people like, like to shit on Wes Anderson, which is weird. Like a lot of like really pretentious film people, which who cares what they think anyway, but like just saying that oh he's too quirky or he's quirky just for the sake of being quirky he's not he doesn't actually have anything to say like he's more style over substance and i just don't think that's true no me either i really don't think that's true well he just like he uses his style to tell interesting stories with important themes well right he's not he's not making like these super uh you know difficult to watch art films like he's making really entertaining funny movies well, and I love when a movie can be so different from real life, but so right about reality at the same time. Well, right. So like intensely grounded in its emotional, like the emotional core of every Wes Anderson movie is super grounded. Yeah. Even though the world around him is totally ludicrous. Yeah. But I love that. Like that's the fun of hearing or watching a story is that it's quirky and different and creative and not what you see every single day but 
yeah, again, still has that grounded theme. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, we're getting into, we, we do have some spicy takes today, huh? <laughs> yeah. These are, these are good spicy <laughs> takes. Um, so let's talk about Bottle Rocket. So good. <laughs> I mean, That's all. I kind, of, over I kind of already gave my thought about what I think the movie is about, right? Obviously, the plot is one thing, but like what, what it's about, I think, is, um, like I said, the kind of that inequality that will always exist in any relationship between people. And that's not to say that like the scales are always tipped in one direction. I think that's what makes the relationship between Inez and um, Anthony so interesting is that the scales tip back and forth as far as who is giving more than they're taking in that relationship at any given time. Um, I mean, obviously with Dignan and Anthony, it's pretty tipped in one direction, but like, you know, just Anthony having the wherewithal to understand and to love Dignan enough to uh, treat him the way that he does. I don't know. It really is a very beautiful thing, I think. Well, but also this is only one, like, clip of their life that we were able to see, like... Well, right. The implication is that they've been friends forever. Yeah, and I'm sure that the scales have tipped both ways throughout their life, but Dignan just has the stronger personality. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's a good point because even you think like at the end, it, it's 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 the, the most cheeky thing I think I've ever seen Wes Anderson write into a movie is the last line of this movie. Because um, I was I was thinking it, I was like, oh man, this is an interesting like circular way to take this film. You know, Anthony starts out in in the mental hospital, and then Dignan is in prison, and and again, the way that those scales have tipped a little bit. And then Dignan's last line is literally, isn't it weird how you were in the hospital and now I'm in prison? <laughs> and then that's how the movie ends. I'm like, what's it? You are you way too clever for your own good. Like, how do you pull off actually having... Just like literally saying... Yeah, like... <laughs> but like it fits really well with his character. Like his character would totally say something oh, absolutely. like that. <laughs> I think it's also like because... Um, Anthony went to the the mental hospital by his own choice. And obviously Dignan did not go to jail by his own choice. But he kind of did. Like I think he, he did, yeah. He chose to go back yeah, for okay, yeah, that's true. Uh Applejack. Yeah. He knew exactly what was gonna happen. Yeah. But I don't think I made that connection, so you pointed that out to me. Even though Thank I you. was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I guess there, there's a debate to be had there, right? Whether he yeah. chose to or not, but. I mean, you could say that like he did it knowing that that was a possibility. Um, like I would probably say it was more he wasn't totally in control instead of it wasn't his choice. Sure. You know? Yeah. I think it was probably as much his choice to go to jail as it was Anthony's choice to go to the hospital. Dude, Anthony's description of his whole thing is just the most incredible thing in the world. I love it. And then I realized, not only did I not want to answer that question or any other water space related question. <laughs> it's just such a great... And the girl, you're so complicated. <laughs> well, so that's another thing that I think this movie does really well is just like... Well, like you said, celebrate relationships, but also just like celebrate people however they are. Like, well, sure. I feel like no one was put in a bad light, even Mr. Henry or 
Future um, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Future man. <laughs> I love how there's no explanation as to like why he's called future man, but he just is, except for that one time they call him Jack. <laughs> no, John. Jonathan. Oh, that's right. Jonathan. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it doesn't matter. He's future, future man. man. <laughs> but like even the like villains in the movie they're not they're still celebrated as just like people well right they're vil- they're weird. villains in a wes anderson movie yeah like they just kind of again just are the way they are well but even dignant at the end is like oh even why don't you just give this to mr henry no hard feelings like right <laughs> like i feel like that's a, a strong point of this movie is that it just celebrates people for who they are well yeah and if you want to talk about celebrating relationships even look at bob and future man like they're acting like they're 14 (laughs) (laughs) i love that scene where they're in the country club and he's like i heard you've been telling people that i ran away from home yeah i'm 26 i can't run away from home (laughs) there's just so many there's so many great quotable lines in this movie like (laughs) they really are how's an asshole like bob get such a great kitchen Or like when uh, when uh, Dignan and and Anthony are talking, and you just hear Bob and Future Man just beating the crap out of each other throughout the entire conversation, <laughs> or the whole back and forth about the gun. Like, yeah, my favorite part was uh, it was the same scene, but it was um, when they were planning their plan, and Dignan said something about them chasing and. Anthony's like, well, are we actually going to get chased? He's, he's like, no, no, I'm being hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one thing that I took away from this is like how just what a skilled comedian Owen Wilson either was or possibly still is because his timing in this movie <laughs> is absolutely ridiculous the way that he delivers these lines. Like, it just every single time he opens his mouth, something amazing comes out. Yeah. Also, I feel like he like coached everybody on how to talk because I felt like they all talked the same. They all had like the same Owen and Luke Wilson drawl or whatever. Like the yeah. way they talked to each other was just mm-hmm. so like relaxed and like whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's how everybody talked to each other. And I loved it. Well, because I think that they're... Yeah, Luke and Owen Wilson are also. Yeah, they're brothers. From well, yeah, but they're they're oh. from uh, Texas. Yeah, they met uh, Wes Anderson in school. Oh, okay. There you go. Jeez, what a freaking. Well, but more than like a Texas accent, it's like it's like very specific to mm-hmm. Owen Wilson. Like he just has a very specific well, way I mean, of talking. Um, Owen Wilson was co-writer. Oh, so, for this one. Yeah, okay. he wrote. He wrote this and Royal Tenenbaums. Okay. Yeah. With and did he write Rushmore as well? Um, I don't know. He wrote he wrote Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, and Royal Tenenbaums. That's right. Okay. So. Yeah. I don't remember what we were talking about. Just, just this movie's really good. Just, just how this movie's really good. We were talking about Owen Wilson. Well, yeah. No, I was just talking about the way they talk to each other. Like, oh, right, right, right. Well, even just how they were like... Oh, I'm trying to remember some of the lines. Well, first of all, when um, Dignan was like, here's our plan. It's like a five-year plan. A 75-year plan. <laughs> yeah. And there's that line... Oh, gosh. What is it? I forget how Anthony says it, but he's like, you're definitely not on track for your 75-year plan. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, the movie is just so quotable. Uh-huh. It really, really. And is. also, like the way they talk about stealing and thievery, they're like it's their career, and they're so just like casual about it. And like when he's like, "There's not much money in thieving." <laughs> <laughs> What I've learned is that well. crime doesn't pay. No, that's what it We're going to get the best place in the house. I'm going to show you that crime does pay. <laughs> it's just like, I don't, it's so comical because they're they're talking about crime the way that you talk about some other career. That right. You know, yeah. We're in this together. We're a team and we're going to push through the hard times and be good. But they're stealing from people. Right. <laughs> I did actually know I realized what my favorite uh, Dignan moment is. And it's when, um, oh gosh, what's his name? The guy that translates. Rocky. Rocky. Rocky's like, tell Anthony I love him. (laughs) All right, man. (laughs) Just the look on his face and the way he delivers that line is so perfect. (laughs) No, no. The best one was the one that you pointed out when we were watching the movie. (laughs) When they're at the club and the guy turns to him, are you the army? (laughs) (laughs) No, I just have short hair. Yeah, that that just blew me. Away. I was like, somebody like somebody wrote that interaction, and I guess it sets up the fight later on. But like, what on earth, man? Uh, the music in this is great. Yeah. Where does he find these things, man? Like, what what was Wes Anderson listening to in '96 that put him onto all this random like indie folk stuff? No idea. But the music so is fantastic good. in this. It's really very good. It is. Um. Yeah. Who's your favorite character in the movie, Becca? Ooh. Kumar. Probably. Yes. Dude, Kumar. I I might have to agree with Kumar. Actually, sorry, it wasn't my turn, but no, I just okay. <laughs> I mean, I think Anthony's my favorite character. Anthony's great. I love Kumar, dude. He's just like he's <laughs> barely even in it. And he just, just like shows up, and then he's just a bumbling idiot. <laughs> they open the door, and he's in the cold storage, just shivering. <laughs> or he's just like sitting down in the room. When he's supposed, he's to, supposed be to be in. breaking the safe, and he's just on the couch. <laughs> I love just like every time they're running around, they're like, "Where's Kumar? Come on, Kumar, we gotta go. We got Kumar. Do you got Kumar? Like everything's about him, and he's just." Just wandering around aimlessly. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, you realized that it was all set up for Mister Henry, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the look on Bob's face when at the end he's like, and they tell him that Mister Henry robbed Bob's house. He's like, oh yeah, I thought about robbing that place myself. And the look on Bob's face. Like, <laughs> oh man, it's so great. I, yeah, I feel like I could just go through like scene by scene. And oh, be like, for real this though, it's just funny. it's just this such an good. it's such an enjoyable film to watch. Uh-huh. And again, like it took me a second time because the first time I didn't love it. I think it felt a bit slow. I didn't know where the story was going, and so I was always like, I don't know. I guess I was just expecting it to be like a heist movie, which it wasn't, and. I mean, there is a heist of a, of a bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few. They, they, That's steal, right. they That's go true. steal things a few times. But like, I don't know. I was expecting it to be more about that when I first watched it. But you're right. It's about relationships and life and people, whatever. And so having watched it a first time going in this time, knowing exactly what the story was helped me enjoy it better because I was never like, 
wondering what was going to happen or worried about what was going to happen. I just was able to enjoy it. Sure. And I feel like that as much as anything comes from, again, just what we talked about being familiar with Wes Anderson's film language, right? The way that he communicates things and the way that he uses these larger than life characters to communicate these really human emotions and ideas yeah. is pretty unique to him, I think. Yeah. Gotta love Wes Anderson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's my favorite director. I mean, seriously, like all of his movies I love. I, I really don't think there's a dud. <clears throat> yeah. He like figured out how to tell stories in such a good way that like is everything I love about film and storytelling. So. Yeah. When he manages to do it with such a distinctive style. Yeah. That that when we see other movies that are similar style, we're like, oh, that's Wes Anderson's style. Well, you right. Know, like, like, like that was my issue with Jojo Rabbit, yeah. right? Is it like, not that um, it's being copied or anything, like it's still unique, but when you see something that's similar, it feels like a copy. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Which I'm okay with because yeah. I love it. I mean, it's hard to think. You think like maybe Malik would be in that club of directors who have such a distinctive style that if you, if you, you know, go in a similar direction, you're ripping them off. Yeah. Cause again, I've had such a hard time figuring out like what directing means and Wes Anderson's films. Like that's the first time that I really understood what directing added to a movie and how a director can have a specific style. So I think it's great that, they're like that we have directors that can be so specific and stylistic and unique. Yeah, for sure. All right. Is there anything else we want to say about bottle rocket? I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like I, I said my piece way early on about what I wanted (laughs) to say about the movie. And then, yeah, I mean, I honestly don't think that we need to talk about it forever because it's just like a great movie. There's not really anything wrong with it. No, I don't think so. Like, it's just enjoyable and it tells a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Did you have anything else? Nope, it's just awesome. It is just awesome. It's just great. Well, should we take a look at some trivia? Yes. Is there is there some good stuff? Yeah, there's some pretty good stuff. Let's hear it. Okay. Um, let me pull it up. Okay. Um, so after the movie bombed at the box office, Owen Wilson considered <laughs> it so sad. really bad. Um, Owen Wilson seriously considered joining the Marines, convinced that acting was not for him. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that's he's so just got sad. a short haircut. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the feature film debut of Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson. Really? Uh-huh. Wow. Um, this is uh, first scored... Oh, this scored the worst test screening points in the history of Columbia Pictures at the time. People just weren't ready, man. I don't think they were. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Um, Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson completely rewrote and reshot the beginning of the film uh, when Sundance refused the film. Hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. I wonder what the changes were. Yeah, I know. I was wondering, too. I mean, it's still a really good beginning. Yeah. I don't know. So, it, like, it's different... Like, we have the updated version? Is that? I think so. I think that's the idea. Um, Every summer since 2011, there's a party at the motel where the film was made. 
Um, That's, That's so great. Yeah, this was kind of to help save the motel from closure. Um, and now just like people go to it every year. That sounds super That's fun. Cool. That's pretty great, actually. Yeah. I just imagine there being a ton of confetti and <laughs> people walking around in colorful robes. <laughs> Gosh, that sequence of him walking around after Inez <laughs> has got to be one of the funniest things I've ever seen that in the movie. That was amazing. Especially when he walks in after her to the room. He starts fluffing the guy's pillow. and <laughs> He's got his hand on the card. Right? And she's she she looks at him and is like, you you need to stay here. And he yeah. just walks in immediately after her. <laughs> or just, sorry, again, another moment. When he asks to keep her sister's picture. <laughs> Can I keep it anyway? She's just like, see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Okay. Um, when Anthony shows Dignan his sketchbook, uh, this is the first time on film that you hear Owen Wilson say, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, can you believe? <laughs> History in the making. History in the making, indeed. Um, let's see. Um, so this did originally start as a, a short, and I think... Okay, it was first shown at the USA Film Festival in Dallas, Texas, and then that was taken to Sundance, where it became uh, popular, and then they decided to take it and turn it into a feature film. Hmm. Wes Anderson has quite a few shorts. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, for a lot of his movies, there. Yeah, we watched yeah, the shorts. one for uh, Darjeeling Limited. Limited mm-hmm. it's and there's on the one Criterion. for Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, is there? Yeah. Hmm. And I think another one, I don't remember. Interesting. Um, this is number seven on Martin Scorsese's list of best films of the 1990s. I remember that. Wow. In the Criterion version, there's a uh, an essay by Scorsese. Wow. Yeah. He loves this movie, apparently. I mean, it's great. Yeah. Um, and that is all I have. That's some pretty good trivia. Thank you. Scorsese's got good taste in movies, turns out. Yeah. Wow. Wouldn't, can you believe it? I thought his favorite movie was Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's actually, on that note, um, if you can find it, it's just on YouTube, but I, don't, I guess you probably just search. Uh, there's a mo- there's a video, it's like 15 minutes long, of Roger Ebert and Martin Scorsese going back and forth on their top 10 films of the 90s. It's from back when Roger Ebert had a TV show. And it's fascinating. Um, they both put Thin Red Line in their top 10, oh. which I'm like all about. Uh, yeah, Scorsese obviously had Bottle Rocket. I think uh, Ebert called Hoop Dreams his number one movie of the 90s. Apparently, it's a documentary about um, like under like lower lower income area teens getting involved in basketball and how that can be kind of a gateway out of the cycle of poverty and stuff like that. So I don't know. Apparently, if it was Roger Ebert's top movie of the 90s, it's probably pretty decent. Hmm. Uh, they both put Breaking the Waves in their top 10, which I thought was an awesome wow. choice because I love Breaking the Waves. So it's fa- it's a fantastic video out there. Uh, so if you can find it, go on YouTube and search Martin Scorsese, Roger Ebert, top films in the 90s. You'll find it. It's really good. Cool. Yeah. All right, folks. Let's do this thing. Becca, any final thoughts? Enjoy rating out of 10 for Wes Anderson's Bottle Rocket. Um, I don't think I have anything more to say. Just that I love it. And I like... I know I can't do this, but I want to go through and see what I rated other nope. Wes Anderson movies. Nope. Can't do it. Because I want to make sure it's in line with where I th- nope. where I think this sits. But I think this is a fantastic movie. 
And I'm going to give it an 8.8. An 8.8. Very good. Sid? Um, I love this. I loved it more than I thought I would. It's just the white, the whiting. The whiting is so witty. The whiting is so wood. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the writing is so witty and just, it's very subtle. Like a lot of his movies, but the performances are just, they're, they're quirky and they're subtle and they're weird and they're just so funny. Um, I, I have been kind of toying with Andrew's, um, method of only uh rating movies on a solid number but i don't think i'm quite ready for that yet so i'm gonna give this one 8.5 yes for those of you who uh, may have missed our last couple of episodes i have in the new year decided to restrict myself uh to rating only whole numbers on the weston scale so one two three four five six seven eight nine ten that's how we count um thanks for that lesson uh no half points no tenth points none of that i'm just doing whatever i want (laughs) that's fair um so i give bottle rocket an eight all right i think an 8.8 and 8.5 and an eight rounds us right out about 8.4 yeah yeah there you go um it's an eight it's uh Probably closer to a nine than it is to like a low eight, but it's still an eight. That is interesting because if I had to do half points or whole points, I would do an eight or an 8.5 because it's just not quite a nine. I agree. But I didn't do half points, so I yeah. can do whatever Whereas I Whereas I would say that like both Grand Budapest and Moonrise Kingdom are nines for me. I agree. I would eat, well. Which is interesting because actually, I would need to go back and change because be the same. I gave Grand Budapest an 8.5. And I gave, where the heck is it? What did Moon I give? King, I gave both Grand Budapest and Moonrise Kingdom 8.5s. What did I do? You gave Grand Budapest an 8.5 and Moonrise Kingdom an 8.9. Okay. So, there you go. Cool. Well, sweet, sweet beans, folks. Um, yeah. Let's get into some other topics. What have we been watching? It's been a hot minute. It's been a long time. You watch um, some good stuff, Sid? Yeah, I've been watching some pretty good stuff. Let me think. Um, what are some good ones? Let's see. Okay, I watched Babel. Ooh, how was that? It was extremely depressing. That's Is that in Yara too? Yeah, but it was great. It was very stressful and it's just, it's very, very sad, but it's incredibly well acted um because that's is that the one with brad pitt mm -hmm. okay yeah it's like the one with like the three different storylines i don't know anything about it other than brad pitt's in it and in your two directed yeah um pretty much it's just like three different storylines somewhat entwined Mm. um it is yeah it is definitely kind of like an existential dread wasn't it nominated for best picture i think so yeah i'm pretty sure um Let's see. I watched Barry Lyndon. Ooh, how was that? I loved it. I, I need to. It. I need to get back on my Kubrick kick. Yeah, it was. I I don't know. Like I just like wasn't super looking forward to watching it because it's, it's long. very long, right? It's, I think it's his longest one. But I mean, like the story moves along. Is it longer well. than two thousand one? I think. So. I'll look it up. You keep going. Um, the story move moves along pretty well. Um, and I mean, I was kind of just like passively watching it while I was like doing my cross stitch like an old lady um but it's just it's a 
fascinating story and like you like all the characters but you also hate them at the same time okay and isn't it isn't it like just totally gorgeous too yeah i was just about to say it's gorgeous like the the costumes look amazing the set design every shot because they like structured it to look like like renaissance painting i was gonna say they like took a bunch of paintings as Uh as inspiration and structured the like the blocking and the the set design around these renaissance paintings that's cool yeah and it's just it's just really really good uh it is three hours and five minutes yeah oh wow uh 2001 is only two hours and 29 minutes that blows oh, me yeah. away if you ask me i would say that 2001 is three and a half hours yeah. not two and a yeah. half that movie is phenomenal but you feel its oh, yeah. length <laughs> oh yeah i know we've watched so many movies that are two and a half hours but you cannot watch 2001 without at least no one you break. need an intermission in yeah. 2001 absolutely yeah for sure uh, but that's interesting. Is is Barry Lyndon that way? Like, should I, if I, when I watch it, should I expect to take a break? Or uh, is it, can you just sit through it? I mean, I took a break just because, like, I didn't have time to sit down and watch sure. all of it. Um, but, like, honestly, when it, like, it still has an intermission. And when it came on, like, I was like, oh, there's an intermission. Oh. And then I just, like, skipped But it has it. one built into it? Yeah. That's good. Um, I think that I have Barry Lyndon. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not like you get invested in the story but it's also like not a big deal if you like miss a second to like go right. grab food or something okay um but i really really liked it um let's see and then i watched the birds of prey and i actually really liked it i've heard incredibly mixed things about it yeah i mean like the writing's not great um and like the storylines like it's pretty good um, but mostly like the the fight scenes are really fun especially in the last fight scene where they're like in a fun house and they're just really creative with it and yeah i really enjoyed the fight scenes and margot robbie's fantastic she always is margot and, robbie's a gem yeah i mean like some of the acting is not great um <laughs> ewan mcgregor's great um yeah i would say like it's just a really fun movie all right well. yeah. um is a really good one to go see uh post breakup on valentine's day well there you go that was really fun um and then i watched blue velvet are you getting into lynch or I have am, you seen several or I'm where are you where are getting you getting into lynch i've seen most of twin peaks like i've seen like half of the new season i would like to go back to twin peaks i think i think i might yeah. be in a better place for it yeah i we watched it for it. a long time and then stopped because it, it, it was getting really slow it's but. not structured like a regular tv show in that there's not like a complete story arc for each episode it's mm-hmm. just like a 20 hour movie yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no i definitely agree like even when i watched the second season like i would kind of skip around because it is very slow and there's so many characters and they're not like really pushing them i guess um but yeah i i loved twin peaks and i feel like that was a good introduction to lynch because i tried to watch maholland drive two years ago before i seen anything by lynch and it was just so bizarre that i just couldn't get behind it um i need to give that one a rewatch um but i would say blue velvet is a pretty good introduction too it's did you watch it just to praise Our Lady Laura Dern? I mean, that was part of it. 
for sure and kyle mclaughlin because it starts with a b though so you're probably just going down your list (laughs) yeah yeah that's definitely how i'm doing it um but yeah it's like a good introduction it's got mystery it's still weird but it's not like the weirdest thing you've ever seen um yeah i thought it was really good there are some like weird sex scenes and like there is uh, a rape scene so like i would advise against that if you're not into it be aware yeah um but it was really good all right yeah so i'm excited to try and get more into into lunch. i'm into that we watched the elephant man and that movie just oh. that movie just devastated me yeah like that movie was amazing that movie in a way that not very many have just knocked me on my butt like that that mm-hmm. that movie like emotionally harmed me i think yeah <laughs> in just like a way that like i said i don't think that a lot of movies have the elephant man is a really special movie yeah i don't think i've ever seen you react to a movie the way you did to the elephant man yeah crazy yeah what else what other b movies you got um i think there was another one I mean, I watched uh, Black Narcissus. What did you think? I really liked it. I love that yeah, movie. That one was really I, good. Freaking that. Oh my gosh, dude. That scene where they finally push her off. Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, geez. Oh, and that, that shot when she like finally. Black Narcissus for the Uninitiated is this movie from the 50s or the 40s? Mm. I don't remember. I don't know. It was made by these two British dudes. Um, about a nun who goes to a convent in the Himalayas. 47. 47. She goes to a convent in the Himalayas and um, ends up just going freaking psycho. It's like a precursor to like your Shutter Islands and um, uh, I'm I'm having a hard time thinking of contemporary analogs. Um, Shutter Island, I think, is a decent comparison, though. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's really a precursor to those kind of like psychological thrillers um, and really ahead of its time for the kind of things that were uh, popular in the 40s and 50s, right? And it's got these absolutely gorgeous hand-painted sets mm-hmm. that, um, that manage to look like modern special effects because they, they use these paintings and tricks of um, perspective to make it like they've got this incredible shot up on a cliff and they show the same shot several times because they're up on the cliff and it's like the painting is done in just the right way that it looks like you know this cliff just goes down forever and ever and the acting in it is sublime mm-hmm. it, it's just it's it's a really a very very good movie yeah i'm glad i watched it um and then i watched uh the new to all the boys i loved before I don't know um, what that is. It's like the Netflix movie where she like writes those letters to. Anyway, it was horrible. <laughs> I hated it. I only watched like it's the second one. I haven't seen the first one, and I only watched the last half of the second one. But I just knew exactly what was going on. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. Don't watch it. Um, Good to know. <laughs> yeah. You've been busy. I have been busy. Very nice. We've been decently busy. Yeah, we have. We've seen movies. we've seen a decent amount. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, I have to look at this list. That's and why I'm we trying, keep it. I'm trying to remember which ones we haven't talked about. I would start at Gretel and Hansel. Okay. Mm. Gretel and Hansel. That was fine. Yeah, was it was. Good. It was entertaining. Yeah. Um, eh, it's hard to say if it was worth a watch. Yeah. It was a good thing to go see in the theaters in January. Yeah, I mean, 
It was stylistically very good. Oh, gorgeous. And fun to watch. The the direction in it was fantastic. Cinematography was great. But it was just a very, very simple story. Screenplay was absolutely trash. So, whatever. Like, one of the highest divides in quality between, like, every other aspect in the screenplay that I've ever seen. Yeah. The screenplay was so bad. (laughs) So, that was... Doesn't saying, like, it's hard to say if it's even worth watching because it was just, like... It averaged out to be fine. And yeah. I, I really worry that seeing it outside of a theater would just make it like totally uninteresting. Oh, yeah. I agree. It was fun to go see because we went to a theater. Yeah. And seeing it on the big screen and how dark, uh, yeah. Yeah, having the darkness and everything. Whatever. Um, And then The Gentleman. We did see The Gentleman. It was good. It was really fun. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Andrew liked it a lot more I than I did. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. It was It was fun. A very uh, Kingsman feel to it. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. There's that very British humor, and I thought it was great. Big, big fan. Um, they called everybody the C word nonstop. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it didn't bother me because it like felt right. Well, yeah, they were all just, just a bunch of British dudes. Yeah. yeah. If it was any other movie or anyone that wasn't British saying it, then I would yeah. be really offended. The amount of charisma that every single person in that movie had just pouring out of them was kind of like Ocean's Eleven levels of charisma from every single member of the cast. Yeah. <laughs> really crazy. A very good. I loved it. Like I could see it. I mean, who knows? Who knows what movies are going to out this year, but like it could be, it could be like a sleeper hit for me throughout the year. I think I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Um, this next one is one that when I looked at this list first popped out at me and I forgot that we watched it. How could you possibly forget? I, well, and then as soon as I read the name of it, I remembered. So we watched Naked Lunch and the best way that I can describe it is, well, so this happened the next, the next morning we were like, was that a dream? Did we, did we actually watch that? Was that? So yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, Naked Lunch is, uh, David Cronenberg film from the early 90s. Um, same guy that made Scanners, Videodrome, The Fly, um, these very uh, uh, practical effects heavy sci-fi movies. And it is one of the more bizarre things that I've ever seen put to film. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely bonkers. Like, I feel like I watched a drama about a man who kills his wife and freaks out and runs away like i feel like i watched gone girl and then, oh no, i'm just kidding and then that's a strange connection to make i'm i'm kidding that's just as i was describing that that came into my mind anyway so i feel like i watched just like a regular drama and then went to sleep and then rewatched the entire movie while i was dreaming but just everything turned into cockroaches cockroaches and centipedes because that's literally what the movie is. I mean, I'm looking at just the pictures they have on IMDb, and I am baffled. Oh, it is bizarre. It's it like, is so strange. And seriously, the next morning when we woke up, both of us were like, "Was it, did that happen? The movie really feels like a dream immediately after you've watched it. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It is such a strange movie, but so phenomenal. Yeah, like it was fantastic. But yeah, just like weird. I think, I think it's probably my favorite out of the Cronenbergs that we've watched. I think uh, the fly is my favorite. The fly is so. very good. The fly is very good. It's a very good one. We've been like slowly working our way through David Cronenberg's like eighties and nineties output. I just want more eighties um, 
late 80s practical effects. <laughs> right? Becca just wants to watch The Thing and Cronenberg movies <laughs> yeah. all the time. I love it. It's so great. Uh, if anybody's out there and has some good suggestions for those really uh, practical effect heavy 80s movies, let us know. We're in. Yeah. I love them too. Sci-fi. Sci-fi preferable. Yeah. But yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, we watched Joker again. We watched the Darjeeling Limited. We talked about that. I watched The Raid 2, which was fine. I, the Raid 1 is much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's their Indonesian like hyper action films. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The action in them is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I hear that's like the, the best part of them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The Raid 2 gets a little bit up its own butt mm-hmm. in that like it thinks it's more important than it is. It tries to do this like really complicated story. And I'm like, no, I just came here to see dudes punch each other in the face yeah. in exciting ways. And you get that for sure. But it's like, it feels like, like these are Godzilla movies, right? Mm. And I feel the same way about them that I do about Godzilla movies that I'm like, shut up and punch each other in the face. I don't care about your motivations. Like you could give me nothing. Just indicate to me immediately before a fight starts who I'm supposed to be cheering for and then give me a fight mm-hmm. and then move on. Tell me who I'm supposed to be cheering for and then give me a fight. So the the movie's two and a half hours long and probably an hour and a half of it is amazing and the other hour is whatever. Whereas The Raid is tight, like hour 45, and it's phenomenal all the way through. I mean, an hour compared to an hour and a half, that's still a pretty good ratio. Yeah, yeah. I'd say. Uh, I also watched Reservoir Dogs. Big fan. Very good one. Very good one. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, dude. That... Tarantino just has it, man. Whatever whatever it is, Tarantino's got it. He just he he does not mess up, dude. So that was very good. Um we watched Mayhem. That was amazing. It was. We were inspired by uh Ready or Not. And apparently, um oh, what's her name? Samara know. Weaving. Yeah. Apparently Samara Weaving did a couple like of these like hyper violent uh action slash horror films slash comedy slash comedy before she did ready or not uh and one of those is mayhem it's got steven yun in it and it's about uh there's this like virus uh that comes out of nowhere i don't they, they do this like weird explanation but nobody cares there's a virus that when you get it all it does is remove all of your inhibitions so you just do whatever you want to do um, so obviously it leads to like people having sex and beating the snot out of each other. And so like Steven Yun at the beginning of the movie gets unjustly fired from his job at this law firm. And as he's being escorted out, uh, they quarantine his building for an outbreak of this virus. And he makes it his mission to fight his way up this skyscraper to go kill the members of the board who <laughs> fired him. Because he's he's a member of the law firm. And his law firm was in charge of defending a guy who got the virus and murdered his coworker. And so the legal precedent was set that like, if you murdered somebody while you had the virus, you were not legally responsible. Mm-hmm. So they find this, it's kind of a creative way to just like eliminate the moral underpinnings of just killing a ton of people. Yeah. And That's they say like the virus has an eight hour efficacy. So basically they like lock the doors and they're like, it's like for eight hours, anything goes, it's kind of like the purge, but a lot better. And that, like, there's this defined time on, like, how long he has to get things done. Um, But he also has, like, total impunity while he does it. Um, And he picks up Samara Weaving along the way. And she's... Just what a joy that human being is. (laughs) She's great. She is such a treat. Uh, So, Mayhem. Highly recommended. Okay. Yeah, very good. 
if you want just like if you want one of those movies that just makes you go like a lot <laughs> yeah and it's just like the fun one. and Sounds light great. even though it's they're just murdering each other. It's very light. Oh, it's completely like, ridiculous. Like yeah. he at, at one point, uh, Stephen Yun gets stabbed like by a pair of scissors directly through the top of his hand, and, and you like you like see the scissors come out the bottom of a desk, <laughs> and he's just like held in place for a minute, and then they just like rip the scissors out, and he like wraps a bandage on it, and he's totally fine for the rest of the movie. <laughs> so, it's great. It is. Um, and then last night we watched Seven. And it was very good. That one's so good. Seven's very good. Fincher all the way. Oh, yeah. I'd seen the first 15 minutes of it. And then we finally watched it. Yeah. All the way. What's in the box? What's in the box? The way he says that. So funny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's it. That catches us up. This is fun. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm glad that we have a podcast. We should do this again. Sometime. We should we should do another podcast at some point. <laughs> well, that's it for me. Yeah, that's all for yeah. me. All right, folks. Well, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so in the following ways. You can email us at contact at wewatchpodcast.com. You can slide into the DMs, Instagram at wewatchpodcast or facebook.com slash wewatchpodcast. Um, and that's it. That's how you can get in contact with us. There are other ways probably. I guess if you know us, just text us. Yeah, that'd be the easiest way. Yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Um, well, thank you guys for being here. That's you two. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, <laughs> sure thing. Yeah, thank you for being here. I personally appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be in my own home. There you go. <laughs> uh, no, and we thank the listeners out there. Everybody who uh, stuck with us up to this point. So we appreciate you. We love you. My name is Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye.